The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. You're probably sick of hearing my voice because it's been three weeks in a <laughs> row because I'm back, baby. But this week we got the OG Rebels, Peanut and Pootie, in the studio once again for the last time this week. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. It, has, it did seem like it's been a long time, eh? I had to do a couple with that. That uh, I, I was going to call him a schmuck, but I'm like, that, that might be a little too... I was, I was looking for something more playful than that, Ben. Hack? Yeah. Clown? No, that's even worse. Clown? Yeah, no, all those things are too aggressive. That's fine. Um, imposter. We'll say imposter. <laughs> um, Much yes. thinner man. Anyway, um, yeah, ben, ben Emery. He's literally half the man you are, Booty. No. <laughs> he's literally half the man. Um, but uh, yeah, I was in here with Ben Emery. You're in here with uh, with Heather, and uh, I have a new baby, and so thanks for, uh, thanks for covering me, and uh, Heather, thanks for covering me. Never leave us again. Yeah, it was, uh, but it's good to be back. It's good to be back. So we are the original Rebel Alliance. I, I like to refer to us as the OG Rebels. OG Rebels. Doesn't that mean original gangster? Yeah, the is original gangster. OG? Gang- like gangsta. Yeah. It's totally okay, sorry. Different. Yeah, my bad. Like that um, means we're cool. All right, I'm fair like enough. Gangsters the like OG happy. Rebels. Uh, so we are the Rebel Podcast, OG. Um, we are part of the Rebel Alliance Media. Um, and on our network, we have uh, Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids. It's a podcast uh, for your family uh, that includes the Van Brimmers' kids. And uh, right now, well, for a while now, actually, they've been going through creeds and confessions. They just went through the 39 articles a couple weeks ago. Uh, they've gone through London Baptist Confession and uh, lots of lots of great uh, stuff coming out of uh, Fathers of the Faith. Then on Tuesday, Grant and Erica released the Awakening Reformation podcast. Get um, woke. Get woke. That's right. They, uh, I enjoyed the bite-sized Burkoff that they did with the Rollettes, but it's been great to have them kind of back in their regular podcasting. Uh, they just, they, they just uh, hold my attention so well. But uh, the one that they had a couple weeks ago with Wes Mooborn was awesome. It was, it was great to hear Wes's voice. He's been a great supporter, and uh, he did a great job on there. His voice. He's he's a big like he's a big supporter on Facebook. Yeah, and so like you know when you sometimes see a, fit, a photo and you put a voice to it, mm. his voice did not match what I expected. No, really. No, it's like now now I'm more like, of a southern draw. Were you not just? I yeah I don't I think I would just wasn't ready for it. You know what I mean? Like that's I, fair. I think I kind of expected like. Um, I think I kind of expected like a Justin Lockhart type voice from like the thieves. Definitely not. <laughs> not <laughs> Definitely. at all. Definitely. Not at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the Awakening Reformation podcast. Obviously the Rebel podcast that you're listening to right now drops on Wednesdays. And then Ben Emery um, with his uh, Redeeming History podcast that's been coming out on Fridays. His this, this first season, End of the Age, has been awesome. 
So hopefully you're listening to that as well. And then, of course, we have uh, videos on culture that drop on Facebook on the weekend. We have uh, lots of stuff. And, and hey, the Patreon page. We just want to thank everybody who signed up. We got some, uh, some regular Patreons now. So we're uh, trying to get into the habit of posting some Patreon exclusive content. So if you're listening to this and you haven't supported us and, and you'd like to, patreon.com slash rebel alliance and you can sign up um, for just a couple bucks a month and uh, it goes a long way for us helping get content out and pay for website domains and uh, all that kind of stuff so anyway that's us we're the rebels we're back in studio and i'm just itching to do rebel news because uh, you're like hey do you want to talk about this i'm like i most certainly do (laughs) so what are you talking about in rebel news I think we're going to be talking about the Green Deal. Is that the one you want the to talk new about right Green now? Green Deal, that's right. <laughs> I know. You're, I can see you're, you're literally dropping at the bit um, to talk about the historic yeah. vote, I historic. guess we'll call it. Yeah, so um, the the Senate uh, rejected uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's New Green Deal 57 to 0. <laughs> 57 to 0. That's unfortunate. 43 said they're not going to vote though, right? Like- yeah, but I mean, uh, it, I just, it, it's just funny. So here's the thing. Um, first of all, I think AOC, uh, the Van Bremers actually a couple weeks ago when they did their podcast episode on uh, what it's like being a Christian in New York City, they talked about AOC quite a bit and uh, I, would, I would encourage you to go back and listen to them if you, if you didn't hear that episode. But Cortez is... Uh, it's just a real peach. I, <laughs> I cut into it on Facebook uh, a couple weeks ago with, uh, with friends of mine. And uh, a friend of mine posted uh, a quote from her, a clip from her or something, and said, oh, I, I just love her passion. And here's the thing. I, I, I get it. So I got kind of into the back and forth here. And, and I get why like young, politically informed women might look at her and say, oh, there you go. Like she's breaking the age, you know, barriers and the sex barriers and all this kind of stuff. Like she's a young woman with confidence who's blah, blah. She is not a model for you, young women. She's just not. She is evil, actually evil. Um, I mean, she co-signed the bill that made uh, abortion legal up to nine months in in, uh, New York. She um, spearheaded the the revolt against Ben Sasse's bill to protect um, babies who are born after botched abortions. This is just not a woman that any Christian has any business having anything but disdain for. Um, pray her for her salvation, and other than that, do not think good thoughts. Um, and this this Green New Deal was just brutal. So here's the thing: one thing I can credit her for is her consistency. So if she actually believes the climate change craze, then this is not too far, right? So she's talking about killing cows, right? She's talking about like 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 stopping the use of most combustible engines. Like she's talking about like drastically waging war on um, climate change. Here's the problem. I would believe her more if her proposal also included things that would be uncharacteristic of the rest of her political campaign. And what I mean by that is if you actually believe that climate change is as sinister and impending as uh, it is, and if it is because the, the the whole thing used war language, then North America is not your primary target. 
most of the world's um, like greenhouse gas is being emitted. Most of the world's like carbon footprint comes from China, comes from India, comes from a whole lot of other countries that her political policies are actually very soft on. So, so you know what I mean? So, so here is this, this um, self-proclaimed socialist who is, is um, taking climate change seriously and all of her um, solutions are the government needs more reach, more oversight, more control. Well, that's the socialist end game anyway. So if you really wanted to convince me that you believe um, enough of this, then propose a deal that actually says, you know, we have to drastically cut down the the government overreach here. We we drastically like give me give me some solutions that don't actually just, you know, work in your favor for your other political end games. Yeah, that's I, my biggest problem with with the way she's going about it. Yeah, I I, I think it's funny that people. I think it's funny when we have like somebody like her who's coming out and being so so vocally pro like this movement, but she works in the government. She gets fly, flown around on jets. Yeah. She tours in buses. She's doing all these things that she doesn't need to do to do what she's what she's doing. And and like you said, she's she's picking and choosing her battles, and yeah. she's picking her choosing what's the popular like virtual virtue signaling yeah. battle when. Statistics show plastic is an is an issue that North America isn't causing. You said it. It's the Asia the Asian um, yeah. area that's causing that. Plastic. The second the second problem in the in the ocean isn't even plastic. It's cigarette butts. But like nobody tobacco wants to, lobbyists exactly. have the politicians by the exactly no. <laughs> who is the biggest who is the biggest campaign donor campaign donor to the Democratic Party in the last election. The tobacco industry was it? So, yeah, it was it actually over was plan, over Planned Parenthood? Uh, yeah, Pla- yeah, Planned Parenthood's up there, but like the most, like the people who fund right. the most money in the, in the Democrats. I'm not specifically saying her. I don't know, yeah. but like the Democratic Party was the tobacco industry. Interesting. And so, what's interesting about that, and the, and the NRA on the other side, <laughs> um, which yay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm all about guns now, baby. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like, so. You take the plank out of your own eye, right? Like right. before, so if you're going to be consistent in the in the worldview about like we need to fix the environment, sure, fix it all. Don't don't go half measure. This is my problem with like the any of these kind of like climate change bills is that like at least at least she's starting down the path of uh, like a. Uh, of cognitive, cognitive dissonance, right, like right. where she's actually like trying to rationalize like, what this, this looks. If this is true, then this is a war, and yeah, exactly. She's starting down that path, and hopefully and it's she black finds where we get. Where we <laughs> well, and here's here's what I would say is like I have trouble taking anyone seriously when you when you use and we we've pointed this out in Rebel News all all the time, right? Whether it's people arguing for animal rights and all this kind of stuff, you know what what you have to remember is that. I'm not going to believe that you care about innocent lives being lost when you are pro-abortion. And and she's not just pro-abortion. She's radically pro-abortion. Like radically pro-abortion, like women should be able to kill their children even after they've been born, right? Like like she she opposed, like that was her her opposition to Ben Sass's bill. If a child survives a botched abortion, you can't kill it. No. She, she would not, and, and New York, nine months, a woman in labor decides not to, to, that she doesn't want the baby. It doesn't even need to be a doctor 
that performs the abortion and they can't deny it, like it's radical so i just say that to say you can't use the rhetoric about saving lives and lives are being lost like so she went after this was shot down um she uh uh, she said, uh, why does the Senate GOP refuse to hold any major hearings on climate change? People are dying. They are destroying communities and costing us lives. Right. You, you can't you can't say those things when you are pro abortion. And so my my biggest problem with anybody on the political left, and I would just I would challenge all of our listeners. I know we have some listeners who don't agree with a whole lot that we say and they and they still listen to us to their credit. And then they message you. <laughs> But who I would say are politically left and to that person, I would just I would just simply say the biggest problem with the political left, even those who would call themselves Christians on the political left, is they are uh, radical in terms of they, they want to see progress made in terms of climate change because people might die, even though they're pro choice, despite the fact that people are dying. Right. Or they're they're pro gun control because people are dying. Right. Hundreds of people are dying every year. Yeah. But they're pro choice, even though hundreds of people are dying every day. It's, it's just a, an inconsistency that you will never you will never get the support of the right even if even if it comes out that climate change is completely true, and I, I don't think the science totally backs up the the um, the pandemonium. But even if it was true, you have to get on board with stopping the current genocide before you're going to get our support in stopping a potential genocide years down the road. Yeah, it, I, I said this, I can't remember where I said this on Facebook on, on some meme where it was like, we got to save the planet for our children. And basically I said, well, you're wanting to kill all of our kids anyway, so who are we saving the planet for? Yeah. And so the, the point is, yeah. if, if, if your political beliefs about abortion get pan, panned out, we can start killing babies who become inconvenient and you just had a th- just had another baby waking up three o'clock in the morning is inconvenient how how like yeah. only by the grace of it god sucks. do you not want to do it yourself you know what I mean? like, like what i mean like we get to the point where when when is when is that age that we stop when we're, yeah. when we're 10 11 yeah. oh well, you know what i mean why, why don't we just say we can kill them whenever yeah. you know what i mean until they're a legal adult you know well I mean? interestingly this is uh in in other rebel news around the world um there there are plenty of places uh in the netherlands is just getting more and more radical in terms of their euthanasia laws where uh now they're allowing you to be euthanized for mental health issues um for all like the the, the can, door has been flung wide you, open in in right now i don't know if it's passed yet but it's going to be passed um, you can be euthanized at any age for low income, for lack of education. Um, now, your choice, like the government isn't doing it yet. This is Netherlands as well? This, is this, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Holland. Is Netherlands. Yeah. Um, so there were like a, and the um, mental disability, depression. Um, low income. Low, you serious? Like, yeah, because you just don't have a quality of life. Right. Now, a lot of areas in the Netherlands have very high like cost of living. So like it's very right. hard for people to like climb the social, um, like standing in the country because like you know if you were born so they're probably better off dead. That's what they're. That's, that's basically what they're, what they're saying. Man, oh, man. Which is which is I I get so fired up. I had another conversation. Sorry, I'm just going on tangent. No, no, this is good. I had another conversation about where Planned Parenthood started, 
And it was just like, this is the whole, this was what Planned Parenthood started to prevent, which was let's systematically, systematically eradicate low income African American people. And it was like, that's their, that was their plan when they started. Margaret Sanger was all into (laughs) eugenics. Exactly. Yeah. So the fact that this is still a thing that's going on, we like, you can't, you can't as a rational person, because I tie this back to the left who would who would all affirm like equality amongst all the races against everything, which we would also say, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But they're funding a, a company that, and a company and a, and a mindset that, that was started, started yeah. fundamentally on the idea of the opposite. Yeah. And it's just like, and they're, it's not like they've changed their tune. 75% of yeah. abortion clinics are in low income African-American, yeah. African-American minority neighborhoods. neighborhoods. Yeah. Exactly. This is, this and is, they say, this they say that it's because they want minorities to have access to free healthcare. And, but that's the pro- healthcare. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It, it is not healthcare. And there have been so many sting operation videos that are coming out now, um, about, um, P- Planned Parenthood not being willing to do prenatal care and all that kind of stuff because they're in the abortion business. They are in the business of death. That's what they are, are, are for. And everything they want to say. In fact, the, the new president who just took over. So the previous president was big on trying to like get control of the narrative, right? And and they started that whole, I think, in in response to Marcus Pittman's uh, Babies Are Murdered Here, right? They came out with that whole campaign, healthcare happens here. And they, they're big on, oh, you know, abortion is just part of what we do. Well, the new, the new president is totally embraced, right? She's gotten more consistent. She says, no, no, the primary business that we are in is providing safe legal abortions like that. That's it. So they they're, they're getting back to that like mandate. So then you have to start asking the question, where are you doing it? who is getting most abortions and like I every February that comes and goes and you see all kinds of people who are posting about you know Black History Month and all this kind of stuff and and, and it's it's good there there still is racism that needs to be eradicated Absolutely. but the point is you're missing the point if you don't recognize abortion as as the biggest racist threat in North America amen Anyway, um, we got a little fired up. Yeah. So Green New Deal (laughs) got voted down. Thank the Lord that that Cortez is still too radical for her own party. Um, But uh, I think the next presidential campaign is just going to be a race to the a a race to the crazy left. Like it's it. it, There are more crazy people (laughs) and put throwing their their names into that into the ring, throwing their hat into the ring. I mean, it's, you're going to have the political divide that's there now, when you have a party that's going to be putting forward straight up communists, like straight up socialists against Donald Trump, there's like, there's a chasm between those two and it's, it's, it's only going to serve for a a more political divide, more animosity, more hysteria. Has has there ever been a time in America where a third person running like an independent would actually have a, if they, if they ran a good campaign, like a, like a, right. a legit actually, actually put money into it, like would have a better chance of winning than this, than this 2020 election that will come up. Because like you think about it, I, th- I think part of the problem is that everybody starts to realize that you have to be like so far on the right or so far on the left in, in today's culture in the States. Right. Whereas like there are, I think a number of people who just kind of get dragged along on each side because you're like, oh, okay, well I, I agree with 60% of what this person's saying. Right. So therefore I have to go all in because that's the way it works where I feel like if there was a, like if there was that, like that medium party, you know, say like, I'll just throw out a name. John Piper decides to run. <laughs> hey, how great would that be? Piper. Uh, 
<laughs> Piper he would, MacArthur. He would, equate, he would equate that with like, yeah, Piper MacArthur. <laughs> Piper would equate that to like collecting seashells. That's just as useless yeah. to him as collecting <laughs> seashells. Like, it's right. Which, which here's, a, here's a question. If you had to nominate a pastor in America to run for president, who would you pick? To run for president. Yeah. Let's assume they would win. Let's okay, also assume that, they would that win. That makes a big difference because there's there are some pastors that I think might potentially win. Um, and so then the question is, do you pick them or? Okay, so if I'm assuming that they're going to win, I, I, I'm like Doug Wilson. <laughs> he'll he'll bring in a mere Christian to him. It'll be great. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be the shortest presidency in the history of the world. But uh, last four weeks. Yeah, I yeah I, I yeah I think I think Wilson right. I think you need somebody who hey on topic good segue. Um, I think you need somebody who has a good um, full orbed view of the gospel in light of God's law and the abiding validity of God's law. So I think you'd have to do that. Um, I'd, I'd probably Does it have to be a pastor or just like a, a kind of Christian celebrity that I follow? Because I think Gary Demar would be a great. Uh, president as well. Gary Demar is probably actually the right the right answer because um, I want Doug I Wilson to keep preaching. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I the other thing is I just I just personally feel like I don't I think Doug would also just be like I like can't be bothered right with this where I feel like Gary Demar would actually get like legit involved in this. Um, Doug Wilson would be like that means I can't write ten books a year. What? That's crazy. <laughs> books they have to be over a hundred page, Doug. It's uh, <laughs> terrible. Low blow on Doug Wilson. Wow. Are we there? Wow. No, we there? we're not He's there. Slap me like two yeah. weeks when I see him. Yeah. Anyway, um, my, my answer, I went totally different than you did. I, I'm going to say John MacArthur. Here's why. Because he, oh, he would no. do no application. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. Like, Here's the bill. You guys figure it out. Go. <laughs> would you want somebody who's so like no, borderline two kingdoms? I literally just wanted to make the joke about yeah. no application. That's fair. That was That's all fair. it was for. You had a good joke lined up. You had a good joke in the hopper. I saw Got it. Right. So here's what we're talking about today. Um, we are talking about Pootie's Basement. <laughs> kind of legitly so uh I, when we come back after break Pootie's going to tell a tragic story about um the death of his basement <laughs> and then we are we are unlike john MacArthur, going to uh make some application and uh part of the application part of what you can learn from the the, the tragedy of Pootie's basement is you should be a theonomist. The tragedy of Darth Plagueis. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay, so we're going to take a break, and as soon as we come back from break, uh, Pootie will tell you a tragedy, and then we're going to talk theonomy. On June 1st, join the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity in Grimsby, Ontario, for a full-day event called Love Thy Body, a conference on humanity, sexuality, art, and God, with special guest speaker Nancy Piercy, and EICC founder Joe Boot. Don't miss this event at the site of high-impact training seminars, including the Worldview Leadership Camp for Youth and the Runner Academy for Students and Young Professionals. Register for these events by visiting www.ezrainstitute.ca. Okay, we're back after break, and uh, and I just encouraged Chris to channel his inner Costanza as he as he tells the story. You got to picture George Costanza in this because Chris has just had it's it's only funny because we can laugh about it now. But if you tried to laugh about this with Chris a few days ago, it, it would it would not have gone over well. It's only funny. Tell because, it's only funny because God is sovereign. <laughs> if God wasn't sovereign, I wouldn't be I would be freaking out. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. He, he has a plan for me. <laughs> this, uh, okay. yeah, so let me tell you, let me tell you a little bit of story about my basement. So 
I've lived in a house for about six years. I have a finished, a part finished, part unfinished basement, which for the most part has been fine. You know what I mean? It's It's been pretty good. There's been many ping pong matches played. Many of our discussions have happened down in my basement over the ping pong table, which you provided for me at a Christmas. True. Yeah. Great birthday present. Christmas (laughs) Christmas present. Great great Christmas present. Um, But anyway, so the last three weeks, the basement, not so good. So let me tell you what happens. So the first day we, I wake up for men's prayer. I'm not a very good early morning riser. So I wake up for men's prayer. Um, and I walk down the stairs to my basement and my, I have a black floor in my basement. And this I'm, is actually, wasn't this the day Harper was born? This was, I, yeah. I literally yeah, just got right. the text saying Harper had been, was alive yeah. and, uh, like she was alive already, but I mean yeah, like, yeah. uh, was born but, yeah. and I walked down the stairs in my nudies. Um, which was probably a visual image you guys didn't need, <laughs> need. Um, but I have a black floor and so you can't really see it's dark. It's five 30 in the morning and I walk downstairs to get like, cause I always iron a shirt every day. That's the thing I do. Yeah. And so I walk downstairs and I step down on the floor and my legs went out and let's just say I was baptized again in my basement. So I got soaking cold because it was freezing cold that, that's water. Why, that's why you had to say that you're in your nudies. Because, yeah. because, because the image of you in the morning, like, uh, it's great sorry, times. continue. Well, I don't think I would have fallen if I was wearing, like, shoes or something, right? Like, um, or, like, even, I probably would have fallen socks. Anyway, so that was my water heater exploded. So my water heater exploded, my basement flooded, yada, yada, yada. I drained Clean out of water. water. Clean water. Called my insurance because that's what you're supposed to do. Yep. Called my insurance. Don't really have any damage for that for that issue. Get a new water heater. Hot water's back. Life is good. That was three weeks ago. Saturday morning, my friend. Saturday morning. <laughs> so I go downstairs, put some laundry in. Uh, it was my wife's birthday. It was Monday. So I was trying to make sure the house was all clean because we were going to celebrate her birthday on Saturday night. Get my house all clean, like a good husband. I did the laundry, did the vacuuming, dusted, everything. You're a paragon of, Par- of <laughs> sacrificial love. I love I love how <laughs> you believe it, and our tech guy is like, yeah, right. Uh, but anyway, I did all these things. By 10 o'clock in the morning, I was like, this is going to be a great rest of the day, because now I can relax, chill, until the H gets home from work, and then we can celebrate. About 11.30, I go down to flip the laundry over. This time, not in my nudies. Walk down the stairs, hit the ground. Baptized again. I've now been baptized three times. Twice by my basement. But this time, there's something different. There's things floating in the water because the sewage backed up into my basement. The oh. floor drain was pumping. Now, we had a ton of rain in Canada on Sunday. Sun. Yes, so like, but like, what was happening is I, I had a clogged, my floor drain clogged, and it backed up. Long story short, I'm going to cut it off. There was a lot of gross things down in my basement. <laughs> so gross. A lot of gross things that used to be in me down in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Too far. Yeah, that's all over the place. Like two feet of water oh. in my basement. Had to have. I had two. This is a shout out to small groups because who yeah. showed up to help me? My small group showed up to help me. Amen. Um, one of them happens to be a plumbing apprentice. Um, he came, had all the tools. That's how you, you choose your small group wisely. <laughs> I want mechanics. I want, <laughs> yes. I want roofers. I want plumbers. Yeah. I want, and I, I got a couple electricians in the family. Not going to be. I'm pushing all your kids to go into the trades. I don't care. Um, anyway, they came. We spent me and my friend Jay, who has been on the on the show, and Sam. We spent about ten hours that day just pumping water out of the basement. Couldn't solve the problem, even with one of those power augers. Long story short, we had to cut a pipe, rip down a wall, cut a pipe in my basement, and eventually nine thirty Sunday morning, I missed church because um, I hadn't showered because I had to turn the water off because 
any water that gets ran just was. And coming you needed a shower because this was not clean water. Oh, I'm still. I still feel dirty. It was very, very gross. Um, anyway, got it cleaned, and then, then the then the real trial started. So I, I just want to point out, though, like Jay and Sam, like that is real friendship. Oh, yeah. They were they were waiting, waiting in, 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 in your excrement, helping you unflood your basement. Yeah, it's shout a, out, absolutely yeah, Small groups. The best part about this is that uh, like Sam's a plumber. He's a little bit used to this, right? Yeah. Um, he grew he grew up in a in a house with ten different ten different kids. He has seen some stuff. <laughs> But Jay is a germaphobe. Like yeah, he right. is like, he was freaking out. Every time we had to turn on the sub pump, there's just like this little water that shoots out. And I don't know how I managed to hit him with it every time, but like he was losing his mind, but it was determined to stick around. He wouldn't even eat. Like we, I ordered pizza for everybody who came. Like we couldn't really wash our hands. So we were like using disinfectant wipes and like trying to cut it with a knife and fork. Jay wouldn't even eat. Because he was like so afraid that like something, something really, yeah. we went to somebody else's house. Well, anyway, long story short, the ordeal starts when I call my insurance. So I called my insurance Monday morning, first thing, like you're supposed to and be like, look, I realize I just had a claim and I need another claim. I call my insurance. And so they send out somebody to do the assessment, which by the way, it's like, we're recording this on a Tuesday. They just finished it before we started recording um, and told me I need everything new in the basement, which is crappy. But anyway, um, pun intended. Uh, but here, the thing about the insurance is that they told me um, my insurance might not get renewed because now I'm high risk because I've had two claims in five years. So my natural thought was, well, what am I paying you for then? And so they were like, well, you're paying just in case something happens. And I'm like, exactly. And the girl was like, had no answer for me. She was like, well, I'm not saying it won't get renewed, but it might not get renewed. So this got us talking about the whole fact that like, well, and, and so, and then the insurance company kind of like giving you the, that bit of runaround in terms of like, Oh, like talk to like, different yeah, people. Yeah. Like, well, and give you the runaround and then the like, well, we'll see if this is covered. Right. And that's always that. That's always the fear of like something goes wrong. This is why you have insurance. And it's like, we'll see. Right. And you've dealt with them with the water heater. And now with this, where it's like they're looking for any any kind of human error, any anything that will weasel them out of paying for this. Absolutely. And you've been with this this insurance. You've been in the house for six years, but you're saying you're you've been with this insurance company because of like apartment we've, insurance and all that kind of stuff. And car and ha- and apartment insurance. We've had this insurance company at least eighteen years, if not twenty. So so here's the thing: twenty years with this insurance company, hundreds of dollars a month, <laughs> hundreds of dollars a month. You come here twenty years later. You have to make two claims. At like a low point in your life, like let's be honest, you're <laughs> laughing about this now, but like this weekend you were not laughing about it. And so this is a low point for you. This is, this is like kick a man while he's down, like maybe we won't cover this. And so this got us talking on the way here and we were going to record something totally different, but we decided we were going to record this because th- the point was in Canada... Uh, in, in the states as well it's illegal to have a house without house insurance and it's illegal to drive a car without car insurance they force you to have insurance so i own a car i own a house and the government of canada regulates forces me to pay into an insurance company that once you're on the phone with them and you actually use them for what they're supposed to be doing for you, they are trying not to pay 
for the thing that you've been paying them for for 20 years. Yes. And, and they're telling you that you, they might not renew your insurance policy. Yeah, exactly. The, the fallacy is not, isn't that they're trying to get out of it. So, okay, you know what? That's, that's kind of how their business works. I get it. I'm, it's stupid. Even, it's annoying. I'm, it but annoys I, me more than it annoys you. But I get is, it because yeah. I understand that's how the company works. You fight long enough, you'll get it covered. But what's frustrating to me is that I couldn't have chose to not have the insurance. Right. I have to have it right. because it's mandated by law. So it's mandated by law that I have to have it to own a home in my, like to own my own home. I have to pay this company to cover these types, types of event where if I didn't have to pay this, I could have, I could have just like, we made the joke. I would, if this, if I didn't have insurance for this, I would have pumped the water out of my basement. I already had to pay, pay like the people to come to do the work anyway. Right. Um, now in this case, I'm, I'm thankful it's a, it's a friend so I can pay him like in different With ways. favors. <laughs> Just, just like, pizza, uh, airsoft I mean, guns, airsoft guns. Yeah, um, but I mean, like, I can, I can. If it, if we didn't have, if I didn't have to pay for the insurance, I would just rip out the walls, right? And be like, okay, now when, when I, I have the cash, then I will exactly. Fix, yeah. I'll I'll fix it at my own time and the way I want it fixed. Right. You know what I mean? Because that's the other thing. The insurance company just wants to get it out. Right. Um. So like, it's it's just a it's just a frustrating thing, which got us talking about the fact that. Our laws in this country are very backwards compared to what God's law would have us right. do in these in these situations, right? Well, and this is so. It's funny. Um, I, I actually heard this on a on a cross politic advertisement when I was listening to cross politic, and they were kind of plugging Doug Wilson's uh, podcast. And I, I listened to the, uh, Doug Wilson's podcast, and I, I missed this this one somewhere, but he was talking about um, uh, gay marriage, gay mirage, and uh, he was talking about how. Um, the, it was actually interestingly, it was Justin Trudeau's father, Pierre Trudeau, who first coined the phrase, um, the government has no business in your bedroom, right? That, that he, he was, he actually coined that phrase. And I don't know if that trickled down to the States or if there was somebody else who quoted that or he stole the quote or whatever, but there's that whole idea that the government shouldn't mandate what happens in your bedroom, right? So, um, that's why they opened up marriage to, you know, um, two men, two women as well. And Doug Wilson had a really good point. He said, what do you mean the government has no business in your bedroom? He's like, I, I built my bedroom and the government regulated how far apart the studs had to be, how thick the sheetrock had to be, how many sheetrock screws that I needed to use, like how, 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 uh, the size of windows that we could put in, the type of, uh, of uh, light bulbs that we can put in the light fixtures. Like, what do you mean the government has no business in my bedroom? The government regulates everything about my bedroom. And, and this is the thing. I remember um, that uh, uh, C.K. Chesterton once said, if man will not be governed by the Ten Commandments, then he will be governed by 10,000. And this is, this is the, the, the world that we live in, is in an, a, a greedy, overreaching government that thinks it knows better than we do how we ought to live our lives. And so even though I buy a car, own it outright, they tell me that I cannot drive it on the roads without insurance. Why? Because if something goes wrong, they want to make sure that I have the liability coverage in case I hurt somebody else. Why? Because we live in a litigious society where somebody is going to sue me if I rear-end them because that's the way our society works because they're going to get whiplash and they're going to need chiropractic care and they're going to need all this kind of stuff. And all of this got us just talking about how backwards it is when man rejects God's law. Because 
God's law has all kinds of wonderful things to say about um, restitution and how we pay people back for um, the ways in which we inadvertently or on purpose hurt them. And it always has in mind the victim and the perpetrator. And the government keeps its grimy, greedy paws <laughs> off of that exchange, right? So the uh, you know the God's law, and I just I just preached through um, as we're preaching through the narrative of Scripture this year. I just preached through the law last week, and we were talking about how um, you know God's law has things to say, not only about immigration and and all of those kinds of things that are big hot te- hot hot button topics right now. But very, very simple and practical things. It tells you if 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 you steal somebody's goat, then you got to pay them back with four goats, right? Like it's it's very, very and and restitution looks like that is that you pay, but you are paying the victim. In in our current culture, if I hit somebody with my car or if I you know um, uh, assault somebody, then the government finds me. I'm paying the government and then we leave the victim to actually it's their responsibility to then turn around and sue me in small claims court. It's, it's a very backward system where it's the government that's continually benefiting from the punishment of, of individuals. And this is why we have things like, you know, um, people being locked up in cages and in prison for drug possession and things like that. God's law would, would talk about how punishments fit that fit the crime. So I say all this just to say, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about theonomy, Chris and I, we even have friends of ours who ask us about our theonomic views and essentially, I, you know, I always just ask the question, you know, do you want theonomy or autonomy? Do you want self-law? Do you want man's law? Or do you want God's law? And we might disagree with, with exactly which laws in the Old Testament still abide in, in the life of a believer. But at the end of the day, let's, let's just agree that God gave his laws a reflection of his character. And as a reflection of his character, it is immutable. It shows what is righteous in any given situation. And so when we start to look at what should it look like for a society to function, what are the sorts of laws that should be put in place, where else are we going to go? Why would we not go to God's law? So we're not in this episode trying to um, convince you of the theological position of theonomy. We're simply pointing out the chaotic laws in our current societies and say, why would you not want God's law instead of man's law? Because this is what we have, this sort of insanity. Yeah, exactly. The, the, I love, I love the goat, the goat, um, like, no, you pay him four goats. That's the way you fix this problem. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if, if, if man had gotten involved in that, it wouldn't, you'd, you'd be like, you pay him a goat. But then you pay interest on that goat, <laughs> right. and then what ends up happening is that we will now charge you two goats every year for the goat that you paid him because you had to use my policy to get those goats. Right? Like, be like, you, you're just goating out all the time. <laughs> so it's like it's just one of those things where it's like the beauty of the beauty of of God's law is that yeah, yes, the the crime fits the punishment, but the restitution ends. It's it's like finished. It's it's paid for. It's done. It's over. It's forgiven. Now, now move on. Whereas, I didn't even do anything wrong here, other than perhaps abusing my friendships with people to make them fix it. <laughs> but I mean, like, I now like my my insurance rights. I'm I'm just still fired up about the insurance. Yeah. My my insurance rights will now be up because I'm now high risk for using the thing that I've been paying the product and the service that I've been paying for. It's 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 backwards. It's like a it's like. 
it's, it would be different and it would be just of these insurance companies. If I paid into it for 30 years and I never claim, made a claim, if I would get my money back. Right. You know what I mean, like, okay, you made the interest off it. Here's the money back. You never used it. There you go. Right. But in Canada, we get a little bit of portion of our life insurance policy back when the person actually dies, uh, but like, um, or you cash it out. But um, in Canada, I don't know if this is the same in the States, so I can't speak for the States, but home insurance and car insurance, you pay in for the entire time you have it and you will never get a dime back unless you have a claim. So the only way for me to get justice in the, yeah, in right. what the money I'm giving to you. So let's, let's basically say like the only way for me to get justice for the, the money you're forcing me to pay you is for me to make a claim, which you're already still going to make me pay for part of it anyway, because there's deductibles. But the only way for me to get equaled, like get restitution in my own end is to overclaim it. It, 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 not that I'm doing this insurance company, but I mean, it forces us to like want to use the product, the product just yeah, to get our money right, back. Yeah. It's stupidity. Well, and it, absolutely it is. And this is, um, it, and it kind of goes to a fundamental, um, uh, rule of how God created the world that, um, when you reject God's law, you lose this. And that is that God's has sovereignly set up spheres and those spheres have various responsibilities. So there's there's the sphere of self-government, right? That each each man is responsible for himself, which is why there are manslaughter laws in, in the word of God. That's why there's murder laws, because you're you're responsible for yourself. If you use your body, if you use your weapons, if you use your, you know, whatever to harm or to hurt other people, then you are responsible for your actions. It's interesting, actually, when we talk about like even in our current culture, we talk about like um, reparations, which is not the same thing as restitution, right? So the the whole idea of reparations, where you know um, ancestors of slave traders owe a certain debt to ancestors of of slaves, and this whole idea. I heard a, a thing on CNN that somebody shared on Facebook about reparations recently, and and I, you know somebody again a, a well intentioned Christian who cares about inequality and who cares about racism posts this thing about reparations on Facebook. And and so again, I get into a bit of a Facebook thing because my, my, because <laughs> my response was, you know, Ezekiel 1820. That's all I put. <laughs> that was it. But what that says is that the, the, the sins of a father will not, uh, that a son will not be punished for the sins of his father. That each person's soul is punished for their own sin. And so, again, God's law is better than man's law. And so there's this sphere of self-government where we are responsible for our actions, our bodies, our homes. Then there's the sphere of family. And within the family, there are specific responsibilities in one of the spheres biblically. I know you and I kind of disagree with this, so I won't open up a whole can, but one of those spheres is education. And I know that we would both agree that primary education would happens in, in the home, right? At primary education, we won't get into the whole, um, but, um, and so there's, there's various responsibilities right there within that sphere. There's the sphere of church and, and there's various responsibilities within the church. Then there's the sphere of government. And what's interesting is that each sphere is limited. Each sphere has both its positive commands and its negatives. You shall and you shall not. One of the things that is in the sphere of both family and of church is charity. 
that is actually incumbent upon individuals and families. One of the laws of God is that um, those who own vineyards, they don't they don't pick up all the grapes that had fallen off the vine, that they leave those the for, the, for, the, for the poor. Yeah, the gleaning laws. Same thing if you own a, a wheat field, you don't actually harvest the edges so that the travelers and the sojourners can pick the wheat and uh, you don't pick up the wheat that's fallen off the off the stem because the poor then come and gather that up. And we see that happening in the in the book of Ruth, right? Boaz, who is a good um, uh, God fearing man, allows the poor like Ruth to come and glean from his fields. And so you see that the charity um, the, the God's laws about uh, charity rest with the individuals, the families, and the churches, not in the government. And, and yet we live in a society where welfare is the government's responsibility to the shame of the church because the, the church then abdicates its responsibility to actually care for the poor. And James comes along in James 1 and says that real religion, actual real religion, I know Christians are fond of that whole, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And I hate that phrase. I hate that <laughs> phrase because James, the brother of John, says this is real religion. He talks about being keeping yourself unpolluted from the corruption of the world and caring for the orphan and the widow in their distress. So the, the charity of caring for the poor is part of organized religion is part of what the church is supposed to do and we see in the old testament it's also part of what individuals and families families would have been the ones owning these businesses that they're called to do the government's bad at it the the government has always been bad at welfare and that's why there's cyclical poverty because of the way the government mandates uh the welfare state and and they're overreaching and they're t- they're taking a responsibility that God has sovereignly delegated to families and churches and they're taking that on themselves and no wonder what they're doing is cursed in it yeah it's our, like you got you have to remember like the government is a reactionary thing so governments only adjust only change by reaction to outcry of the public outcry of situations circumstances it's no shock that in nineteen in the seventies we never heard about gun control. It wasn't a thing. Right. But then schools started getting shot up in the nineties and in two thousand. Now there's hundreds of politicians who are crying from their own pulpits every every Sunday. We need gun control. We need gun control. We need gun control. Why? Because they're reacting to what has happened rather than being proactive. Whereas if you look at it, God's law has always is always proactive. It's the church's mandate. Like the, we wouldn't need the government to be doing these things if the church was living out what it was supposed to be doing and by being proactive and taking care of these problems themselves. If we were taking care of these problems, so this is a shaming of the church, I guess. (laughs) uh, But if we were taking care of these problems, then there wouldn't be the outcry for the government to step in because the, the circumstances are being addressed in the correct manner. Whereas our government is always reactionary, right? It, That's it, right. It comes back and it, it fixes a problem, right? And so when we abdicate, like you said, when we step out of, as the church, this is, when we step out of the sphere of thinking, like, or we get into the trap of um, so many Christians who think God has something to say about their family, God has something to say about their lives, something to say about the church, but nothing to say about the government, um, which is, let's be honest, a lot of people believe that. That's how yeah, they, they theologically live their lives. Um, when when you think that way, it leaves the government to do all the things that the church isn't doing or in our society that we think, hey, then somebody has to do these things. Like somebody has to be responsible for these things. And we've put it to now the government who has no idea how to do it because they can only react. And every four or five years, a new group of people is going to bring up all the same information and make different choices. 
the funny the funniest thing I saw a good I saw a good quote about this is a little bit off topic but um, it's funny it's funny that we trust our money to a government that's five hundred billion dollars in debt <laughs> like seriously like, at at what point do we just say no I think I know better than you like right. and what I can do with my own with my own stuff that's a different topic I've probably already am on a watch list because of my um, <laughs> wanting to stop paying taxes but I mean like the government has no business without God, like has no business in these spheres without God's law to, to guide them. And we've, and they're not obviously using God's law to be guiding. So they're basically going by, based on the, the minority, whatever, whatever voice is the loudest to, to trump up and say, these things need to change. And then they react to it because right. that's the way politicians work. Well, it, and it, it's just interesting that the, um, so the cry in First um, Samuel, I think it's I think it's chapter eight, um, where Israel is crying out, "We want a king like the other nations, right?" And the the conversation between God and Samuel in that chapter is pretty profound, where he says, "Like obey the voice of the people, like give them what they want, but tell them what having a king is going to cost them." And he talks about taking their, you know, their sons off to war and, and employing their or taking their slaves and taking their land and and uh, and taxing them up to 10 percent. Right. Which, you know, which Nehemiah rips out his beard for. Yeah. Well, yeah. Nehemiah. No, Nehemiah rips out other people's beards for <laughs> land taxes, which are also unjust and unbiblical. But but it, what's interesting about um, about all of that is that. You know, so we are repeating the same problems. So we want, and now, now look at a new generation, a new entitled generation. They, now we want, uh, uni, uh, what's the what's the term for it? The universal living wage is that the right? Yeah, like that, yeah. yeah, where where they want, I don't want to work. I just want an income, universal income, like. Right. You talk about Bernie Sanders and, and, and all of his pro- promises of, you know, free health care and free education and, and all this kind of stuff. It's like, what do you mean free? Not, like nothing is free. What is his solution to making it free? It's it's taxing the rich to pay for what the poor can't pay for. And what's interesting is that Leviticus 18, I think it is, says you shall not show partiality to the rich or to the poor. It, it is actually unbiblical to tax the rich more than taxing the poor. So you look at all of these things, redistribution of wealth, insurance, land taxes, like all of these things, all of them are unbiblical. And and so I only say that again, I'm not I'm not advocating for a revolution because we I are the, we <laughs> you're jaded right now. Let's talk in a couple of weeks. But like. I say that to say we are not the kinds of theonomists who say if Justin Trudeau woke up tomorrow, got converted, and enacted God's law, that it would fix all the problems in Canada. We are not that no. type of theonomist. We we believe in ground up theonomy, which means the only um, you, you cannot you cannot um, mandate God's law to a people that do not want it. Which means that theonomy comes into uh, a culture one regenerate heart at a time. Right, the law written on our hearts, one one um, regenerate heart at a time. But I say that to say, as Christians, we need to be thinking biblically about all these things. And it just baffles me how many Christians are are caught up in socialistic ideas, are are all for the welfare state, are all for um, public education, are all for public health care, are all for um, you know high taxes, taxing the rich more than the poor, and and they have this this sort of. Um, disconnected Andy Stanley style New Testament um, confusion where they they 
wholeheartedly believe that God's law has nothing to say to them. And and here's what here's what I would say, and and we'll just maybe end with this because we don't we don't want this to be a, a super long uh, um, episode uh, on all the ins and outs of theonomy. We just we just want to get you thinking about why God's law matters in your life now. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's here's why God's law still abides. If it doesn't, then your salvation is in jeopardy, right? If because because Jesus, so your salvation is dependent on. Jesus dying in your place, right? So your sin, and, and in that, C.S. Lewis calls it the divine exchange um, or the great exchange. Um, what happened on the cross is your sin and disobedience is imputed to Christ and his obedience and sinlessness is imputed to you. That's the exchange, which means that God, Christ's obedience to the law of God is what was imputed to you. And so if God's law ever changes, if, if because it's 2019, let's just let women be pastors. Hey, come on, because it's 2019, let's just, you know, homosexuality's got to be okay now, right? You know, I, I had a recent conversation with somebody who was calling me sexist for uh, saying that women shouldn't serve in the military. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and, you know, we were having this conversation and I was just pointing back to God's law and, and his response to me was, dude, it's 2019. You're telling me you don't believe that women should, should serve in the military. And my response is just God's law doesn't change. If God's law changes, your salvation is in jeopardy because your imputed obedience from Christ is obedience to a law that is now changed. So if the law changes, then his imputed obedience is no longer valid and no longer keeps you safe in front of a holy God. So you better hope, just like you hope in your eternal security, that God's law does not change and that God's requirements for justice will never change because God's requirements for justice were satisfied in Christ. And if his imputed obedience does not put you in right standing before God, then we're all in trouble when we get there. So God's law matters. God's law still abides. And thank the Lord it does because Christ was obedient for us. Bam. There's yeah. nothing more to say about that. Mic drop. <laughs> and let's not pay insurance. <laughs> uh, it's it, it just, this is my thing. When we, when we know and we love God's law, then we can sit here and, and, and laugh now that Pootie can laugh about all of these woes. And it can get us into a conversation about how much better God's law is than man's, how much better his ways are than ours. Yeah, don't and get so, started on property tax. Yeah, don't get Nehemiah started. Your beard will be <laughs> plucked out. Um, but, uh, but we ought to be able to say, like the psalmist in Psalm 119, um, that, oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation day and night. So Christian, if you are... Um, if you are guilty as I was for many years of, of neglecting, um, Leviticus numbers and Deuteronomy in your annual Bible reading, um, for shame, because there's, there's wonderful things there, um, about, uh, and principles that you ought to to still be living your life by. Yeah. Have fun with that guy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's it. That's all I got to say. Uh, we'll see you guys next week.